Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you, getting ready for Bears and Vikings this weekend. It's uh, a big game. It feels like a meaningful game. This is this is a good thing, Johns. It's better than uh, not, I guess. But yes, hey, Adam, it's episode four hundred one. We didn't we didn't recognize the significance of the last episode, did we? Four hundred? Do we even know? We do so many now. I see you too much. No, I was gonna say we did not because I had no idea it was episode four hundred until it got posted. And uh, Kent, our producer, does such a great job getting those little blurbs up with the video. And in the corner, it said episode four hundred. I'm like, oh, four hundred. That's a crap ton of episodes. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, everybody. It's been fun. We're not done yet. We're just getting started in a way, man. Yeah, couldn't do it without you guys, and uh, we appreciate everybody. I immediately got some tweets from people who are like, been listening since the beginning. So uh, if you've listened to all 400 episodes, first of all, seek professional help. Um, but also, we thank you very, yes. very much. Yes, I'll raise a glass to you. Thank you because very much. Because we, we cannot uh, do this without you. So, And then hopefully, here's to 400 more. Which is actually kind of scary it's to think about. a lot of time spent talking to you, but I, I guess I so. I know. I feel bad for you if there's 400 here, more here, Here's a question for you. Over the next 400, ep- next 400 episodes we do, mm-hmm. how many quarterbacks do we cover? <laughs> and how many playoff games do we attend? You know, that's a great way to track this. I, how many quarterbacks have we covered in the first 400? So 2015, you got some Jimmy Clausen in there. You got some Matt Barkley in there. You got Jay Cutler. Oh, <laughs> you remember that Matt, Matt Barkley run? He was like hot for two games. Matt Barkley. Maybe one game. Maybe one half. <laughs> Matt Barkley is responsible for the Philly special. He's still because, in the league, you know. He is Josh yeah, Allen's backup. That's crazy. We're going to see a Matt Barkley playoff appearance, aren't we? Josh Allen's going to get hurt, and then Matt Barkley's going to start a playoff game. I don't want that. Come on. No. Um, but that's a tie into this week in Minnesota. Remember the play they ran with Cam Meredith? Where Meredith threw the ball to Barkley week 17 of the 2016 season. And after the Super Bowl, the following year, when the Eagles ran Philly, Philly with Trey Burton. And Nick Foles, Frank Reich, now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, then the offense coordinator of the Eagles, said that the inspiration of that play came from watching the Bears-Vikings game the year before in that same end zone because that Super Bowl was played in Minneapolis. And they ran it 
to perfection. Matt Barkley is the reason why the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That's why Nick Foles has a Super Bowl ring. Didn't Dow Loggins, now the offensive coordinator of the Jets, oh, this is yes. how much this podcast has covered everybody. I know. This is fun. Didn't he say he got that from like a high school or college team that he had watched like some film of? Was it that? I know what you're talking about. Um, it was some old, like, or grainy old, film. But was it yes. that play or a different play? Something like it, but that's where the inspiration came from. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Whew. It's been a trip. <laughs> Who else are we missing there? So, Jay Cutler. There's, there's, a, there's a Brian Hoyer. A couple games in Brian there. Brian Hoyer. Wow. Josh McCown, wasn't that 2015? I can't Mike remember. McGl- Mike, that- uh... Mike Glennon, Mike Glennon. I don't. I think McCown was gone after twenty fifteen, after twenty fourteen, because that's when they gave Cutler the big contract. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, but Mike Glennon's in there, and Chase Daniels in there, and Nick Foles is in there. Tyler Bray and Tyler Bray. He got in there, snuck in there at the end. That is way too many quarterbacks for four hundred episodes. So imagine if we were doing this in New England. Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Jared Stidham. I think that's it. There's I think probably there's a Brian Hoyer appearance in there as well. You're right. And Brian Hoyer. Okay, so maybe it's not that crazy. Uh, but one playoff game. Playoff. That's the number we got to get picked up here because, you know, the remember the hype with the podcast and the playoffs? And we did a show live on WGN Radio. That was fun. And then Cody Parkey happened. Cody Parkey's still happening. He's. Did you see the end of that game? Like, just the difference between Cody Parkey kicking that extra point and how nervous he looked and how shape. I'll never forget this. That season, you were like, even when the kicks were going in, you're like, they don't look right. No. (laughs) And I made fun of you because you're not a kicking expert, but apparently you are. But to that point, like, his extra point. To tie the game, it just didn't look right. And he looked nervous. And then Justin Tucker gets up there to kick the game winner from way farther away. And he's just like, I got it. I'm good. Let's do this. Right down the middle. Kicking it through the net. Yeah. It's little singe marks. Uh, anyway, it's been a fun 400. And uh, hopefully it's an even better next 400. And uh, we appreciate you very much. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hoke, at Adam Johns. Good read Johnsy on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Johns, where you go to subscribe. Get two for one right now on those subscriptions. Give one away as a gift. Great Christmas present for your uh, Bears fans that you may know. Uh, any sports fans you may know. But if they have any Bears fans, make sure you tell them about this podcast too so we can keep growing the listenership. And we appreciate when you guys do that because word of mouth is huge. Can I plug uh, my book too? Yes. A little stocking stuffer if you need a... Last minute one, or, or you just have a Bears fan in the family and they want to read about Bears history. So at triumphbooks.com, you can get my book, The Big 50, The Men in the Moments Who Made the Chicago Bears, with a 30% discount code for you. Again, that's at triumphbooks.com. That code is SHYBEARS30. That's SHYBEARS30 at triumphbooks.com. And that discount is possible because I paid full price. Thank you. Yep. Um <laughs> The oh and uh, you can read me it does you don't need thirty percent off but uh, you can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com uh, where I have a piece up about playoffs 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 you kidding me 
this Sunday's going to be interesting. It's going to be... And we're going to break it all down here, but the Bears get a win. If the Bears get a win, there is almost a 100% chance that Week 17 is going to matter. And if Week 17 matters, that's... Because even if the Cardinals win their next two games, the Bears would still be alive going into Week 17. Yeah. And that just creates all kinds of hype against the Packers. So We need some hype. After yes. a six-game losing streak, I'm all about hype. Hype would be good. Just win this game in Minnesota. And uh, as one Twitter follower pointed out this morning, it would be so Bears to win this game and then lose to the Jaguars next <laughs> week. Don't do that. Please don't. Because that's the that's like, okay, let me say 99% chance Week 17 matters. The 1% would be if they lose to the Jaguars. That would not be good. Not good at all. All right, so uh, we'll have Chad Graff here in a minute uh, to talk about the Vikings, break this game down. He covers the Vikings for the Athletic. But first, it's been an interesting week hearing some of the offensive figures on this Bears team talk. Mitch Trubisky and his confidence and his, uh, I don't know, he's got an edge to him. Yeah. He does, and then uh, Bill Lazor trying to clarify all this. It's been it's been interesting, and I know you want to play some of this audio and break it all down. Let's play it. Start okay. with Mitch from last night. He spoke on Wednesday night late, um, around dinner time here in Chicago, because of the courier problem they had with their COVID nineteen test. How twenty twenty? Yeah, that's why that? you know I, I you never trust Ryan Braun's uh, <laughs> oh. courier sample guy to handle these tests but you know they didn't listen to me if the nfl had amazon prime this would not be an issue no no like the rest of the world but um you want to play it so, so this is mitch last night from his house after practice I, I think it's very interesting you feel like you're in more of a comfort zone with this offense now compared to where you were at the beginning of the season because it just seems like everything's more tailored to your strengths i mean moving the pocket up tempo even Komet being a bigger factor now than he was his you know first game. It just seems like it's the offense is better. Is that just kind of a mischaracterization? What do what do you think about that? I, I do feel comfortable. I mean, uh, after getting benched and then being able to go back in, um, this is just kind of the things. Some of the things that I've been asking for, and I feel like it's there are strengths of mine and also strengths of this offense and. Um, I just thought it was a good idea to get Cole more involved, to get David more involved, to get A-Rob more involved. You just got to get the ball to your playmakers out in space and 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 stretch the field horizontally um, and vertically, but also keeping the defense off balance. And I think the change in tempos really helps this offense. I think moving the pocket really helps me and helps our offensive line and also help, uh, helps create run lanes. So these are things I'm very comfortable with, things I've been asking for. Um, and I think everyone's buying into it. And I think we're starting to build an identity and we just need to keep uh, getting better and better. And at the end of the day, when we play 11 guys as one and we're, and we're playing as, as a unit and we're executing, uh, that's when the big good plays will continue to happen. I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time. We just talked about it at length with Matt Bowen. And it's everything we're seeing since he returned from, from his benching, the benching. More play action, more rollouts. It's so that set off Bears Twitter. You know that, right? Like Bears Twitter was all up in arms Wednesday night. So what's you got to fill me in on those Bears Twitter stuff? Like what I uh, I don't know what I was doing last night, but I definitely was not on Bears Twitter. So tell me, 
Tell me what everybody's uh, up in arms about. So the, the prevailing mood, the prevailing question is, what the heck took so long? Like, where the hell has this been? You're finally listening to your quarterback? So people are mad at Matt Nagy. Um, let's play the second clip. Okay. From, well, from, that's kind of what the, the second clip's about. Yes. Uh, and, and thanks to the beautiful baritone voice of Mike Berman. The beautiful baritone Berman. Who asked the question here? This is good. Did you ask for them earlier and they just weren't willing to implement them at that time? And, and how do you think had they started earlier, things might be different? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I guess you, you never know. I, w- I was asking. I was always putting my input in, but you can't change the past. So we are where we are now. And the offense has progressed over the last couple few weeks. Um, and, and all we can do is, is try to stay uh, on this path that we are now and keep getting better. Um, can't change the past. I can't put myself back in the game uh, weeks ago or anything like that, but it's it's got to continue with this constant. Real quick, that little line, I can't put, put myself, myself back, back in the game. That's great. Good for Mitch, man. Seriously, good for him. Like, I... I know he hasn't always earned it on the field, but I feel like the he's always he's not always been interesting in press conferences, but he's always answered the questions. He's always been there. He talked after he got benched, which I was not expecting. And I I I don't I just like this attitude of him. Just be, he knows this is this is probably the end of it in Chicago. Um, and if it's not, it's because he goes out and changes the narrative. So I think he's trying to do that. I don't think he's intentionally throwing Matt Nagy under the bus, though. Do you? Like, I don't think he... No, I think he's standing up for himself. Yes. That's what I think. Yes, yes, yes. He doesn't have it in him to be that, like, malicious. Like, I'm just going to, you know, rip everybody on my way out out of the door. No, I don't. I don't think he's doing that. I think he's always had input on the offense this goes back years even like talking to Dow Loggins about it like what works well for Mr. Trubisky like he's always had input the quarterback always should have input I just feel like the the input levels have changed I think what you have right now and I'm putting this in a column for tonight or tomorrow whenever you read it is what you, you have this young player in Trubisky who who you could sense that he feels like he has his, the career in his hands now finally like he's in control they're listening to me um, things are working. I have ownership of what this becomes, in a sense, like more ownership than than ever before. Look, the the chances that this is sustainable at a relatively high level going forward is I don't know less than ten percent because because it's just we've seen enough sample size. But if you are going to look in that ten percent. And try to think optimistically, like you can save Mitch Trubisky. The reasoning for that, if you're going to do that, is that this is really the first time that he's been given an extended opportunity to consistently run an offense that fits him. Okay? The only thing that compares to what we've seen over the last three weeks, there's two things that compare. One is the first two weeks of this season. But that rug was pulled out from under him so fast as soon as he had one bad half in Atlanta that I don't know you can even count that. 
The only thing else that compares is his rookie season in 2017 when he really didn't have that many options around him, weapons around him. He's throwing a Trey McBride. The good old Uh, days. Yeah. And, uh, you know, guys are jumping. Kendall Wright, and guys are jumping into each other's DMs, and it's a mess. Okay? Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. And uh, and Josh Bellamy, right? You know, speaking of that. So, it's it, this is a small sample size, too, but it I cannot help because I'm wondering it, too. Yeah. If we had gotten the whole season of this, what would it look like? And my colleague, J.J. Stankovitz, has a thing up on NBCSportsChicago.com right now looking at how that six-game losing streak may have looked like if Mitch had been in there and they never got away from what they were trying to run the first couple right, weeks. Like, so I, I think like there's almost two different conversations here. Like The sample size of Trubisky's career is not good. The numbers are what they are, right? The advanced numbers are what they are. But within that sample size, there's a smaller sample size of a different type of offense being run that is now growing that we're going to see more over, learn more about, see more about in the last three weeks. It's, it's almost not even growing. It's like actually kind of shrinking, but shrinking and evolving in a way that fits the quarterback. Yeah, better. yeah, yeah. There, and there's like, go back to the Matt Bowen episode and listen to it. I don't like that simplifications used as like a criticism. Go back and listen to Matt Bowen, who knows way more about football than me, and he'll tell you why. Um, Look at the Vikings. They simplified things for a quarterback, and it seems to work out okay for for their guy just in terms of the numbers he puts up. So um, we'll get to that later. Um, do you want to hear Bill Lazor out? Yeah. Um, just to uh, add the final. Like, there's more to this. We could quote Matt Nagy later as well. But um, it, was inter- it was interesting today, Thursday, to follow up with Bill Lazor and then later Matt Nagy. Adam Jones? Hey, Bill. As far as that, that process and that input that you were talking about in, in terms of play calling, game planning, and whatnot. How would you rate the, the staff's rapport, your rapport with Mitch over the past uh, few weeks and perhaps maybe his assertiveness and what he likes and what he's getting on game days? I think Mitch does a, is doing a great job of speaking up and giving his opinion. And it could be very simple things or it could be bigger things. So a bigger thing would be, let's put it this way, let's say a uh, – Usually, a, a you know a quarterback will know. Man, the head coach really likes this play. You know, I mean, he he Mitch has been here for a while, right? And so he he's been with coach for a while. So when there's a play and he really knows that the head coach likes the play, it could be hard for a player to say, "Gosh, I don't like that play this week," or "I don't like how such and such player ran that play." And usually, those are the or I don't like the way their corners play. So I'm not sure if that's a good play this week. I mean, those are usually the reasons why a player wouldn't like it, unless it's new. You know, if something's new, then maybe it takes a guy a little bit. But but for Mitch, uh, like right now, I have I have uh, great confidence that if Mitch really isn't feeling something, he'll say it. He'll just say it. It's not a big deal. And that that communication, I think, is what you strive for with professional players. And and I'll also say that that you know it's not equal. Not every player gets the same say. I mean, that's real clear, I think. I mean, guys have to earn the yeah. ability. I'm not saying I won't listen to, to you, but you've got to prove, right, that, that you've earned the ability to help have input. So I would say it's, it's a fair system, but it's clearly not equal and shouldn't be equal. Guys who earn a little bit more input start getting it, and then over time that happens. If it gets abused, then 
you know, the ramifications, but that's, you know, that's ideally that's how the NFL works. You're dealing with adults, hopefully. What did you make of that? And in a way, like I almost respect that, that laser said it, you know, it's for all the Trubisky critics out there. That's, that's part of it, right? Like they don't think he could read things. They don't think he could understand defenses, right? Maybe that was true in house hall up until a point and maybe up until now. And I know there's all sorts of layered discussions you can have now, but it seems to me that Mitch Trubisky has earned that input on the game plan, the process, all that. Like even to like you're rolling your eyes right now. Well, here's why I don't I don't get what has he done to earn it? What changed? He was benched. I know, I know. And when I he think, came I think back, the situations changed. Like, well, this is where this is the one, the one. Um, objection I have like a lot of this all makes sense but the objection I have is like the coaches putting on Mitch like all of a sudden he did something to earn their attention you should have done this a long time ago don't just all of a sudden say Mitch did something to earn it what did he do you benched him he's been out he came back and you the only thing that happened was that Nick Foles was so awful and that offense was so awful you had no choice but to essentially put a new playbook in the bye week with a new quarterback. Yeah. I don't I don't know what Mitch has done to all of a sudden do something that everybody in this city, Bears Twitter, you, me, pretty much anyone who watches this team has said you should be doing with Mitch 2 years ago. That's the only objection I have to this. like with what he's saying, I do agree that quarterback should earn that input and it should not be equal. I agree with all that. I just don't know in this situation what Mitch all of a sudden yeah, did. Yeah, I would say he had an earlier quote, Bill Lazor, about Trubisky. He made it sound almost like he did like a research project during his benching. And when it became his opportunity again, like he had like all this information, you know, which could be the case for, for all we know. But it seems to me that they like not only what they're hearing from Mitch Trubisky right now, but, like, how they're hearing it. Like, there's some bravado to it. Like, he's talking with some gumption. Like, he, he's he's got some balls. <laughs> you know well, what I, mean? I, I do think that that's... Okay, so if there is one thing that he's done, maybe it's that. But... I don't know. It's that, that part kind of confused me. That's all. Okay. What did you make of Matt Nagy's presser today? Well, the weird part about Lazer's presser was when he got asked about play calling, and he was just like, uh, yeah, uh, ask the head coach about that. The Matt Nagy, was be- and Matt Nagy was, and he said that Bill Lazer's still calling the plays. Well, all Lazer, Lazer was asked how he's evolved as a play caller over the last few weeks. It was a question was about him. So directing the question to the head coach made it made everybody question whether who was calling the plays is what that did. Yeah. My conclusion now Nagy did say that Bill's calling the Bill is calling the plays at game day. It certainly sounds like, and Bill even said this to some extent, is a highly collaborative game plan that goes in. I get the feeling that a lot of the game is scripted. Not just your first 15 plays. Um, 
and if not scripted, plays are grouped very specifically to situations. That's how all the game plans should be, though. Well, right, but my some of my criticism, though, with some of Nagy's play calling in the past was that there it was like almost too scripted to certain situations to the point that you weren't paying enough attention to how game the games were changing in front of your eyes. You know, just because you put in a second and seven play on Wednesday doesn't mean in the third quarter that whatever you thought was going to happen in that game is the same. Right. Because the game changes. That's why it's usually the first 15 because everything, teams adjust. Everything goes out the window and you got to be ready to adjust. So, um, I guess all I'm saying is I hope Bill Lazor still has that freedom. I feel like like I, I'm just spitballing here. Like I, 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 Matt Nagy still has a heavy influence on these plays. This like Bill Lazor today goes, this is Nagy's offense. Like he said, our offense, and he then he corrected himself and said Nagy's offense. So even though people are all up in arms about what Trubisky said last night. Nagy still has an influence here. You almost wonder if, like, he gives Laser three or four plays, you know, based on certain situations, and it's on Laser to pick one. Well, Nagy also talked about how they've been collaborative, collaborating in between series. So, John's that might be something that's happening too. Is defenses on the field? All right, let's quickly pick from what you know, because Nagy's got the play sheet in front of him too. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Which you should. I mean, I, I'm not objecting to that. This he didn't is have it in the off. first game, though. Did you notice that? Like, he's had it the past two. I don't think he had it the first game. Okay. But what I could see happening, and I, this is not a criticism. It's it's probably good football coaching. It's just, it sounds like to me that then they're prob- they're almost like scripting the next drive. And, and hopefully that's allowing for some of the adjustments within games. But, you know, they're getting in the sideline. Defense is on the field. The Nagy's heavily involved. Trubisky's involved. Lasers on the headset. Hey, let's let's group these 10 plays for the next drive. Hey, if it's working, this proactiveness, this process, which they've called more collaborative, which includes Trubisky's input, stick with it. I didn't, sense, stick. I didn't sense much ownership from Bill Lazor, though. Yep. I'm the pl- and it wasn't like in a way of like him being humble. It was just nah. Ask the head coach about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he can be def- deferential. You know. Well, sometimes. and I could totally. I, I play calling is a touchy subject. It it is a touchy subject, and Blazer also seems like the type of guy. And I don't know him that. You well just called him the Blazer. The Blazer. You just you combine his names. It's okay. Ooh, I like that. We should call him Blazer. Blazer. <laughs> Blazer. It's like his, what's that? Uh, That's like when you say Mitch Chubisky. Mitch Chubisky. It sounds like Mitch Chubisky. <laughs> Mitch Chubisky. It's not that bad. And I just went straight to Blazer. That's his American gladiator name. Blazer. Blazer. Blazer and laser. Hey, his calls worked well against the Texans. We'll see what happens. Well, I, what I was going to say is I could see him as a guy who doesn't want to take the credit for what has been an uptick in offense since he started calling the play. Yes, yes, yes. But what I'm saying is he didn't answer those questions in a way where I thought it was about humbleness. 
it was more of a ask the head coach about what's going on. I just it was it was a little weird, wasn't it? It was. It was. Okay. And Nagy semi clarified things. And he was ready to clarify things. He was ready to clarify things. He okay. maybe he maybe he was up on Bears Twitter last night while you weren't. Hmm. I was watching Yellowstone. Great show. We're on to uh, the Queen's Gambit. Also a great show. Heard of it, have no idea what it's about. It's about chess, which I know nothing about. That sounds awful. It's actually a great show. Okay. Um, and that's your TV segment of episode 401, the Hogan Johns podcast. Uh, we good on all that? Hey, like you said, they're moving the football, so that's what counts. They're yes. scoring touchdowns. That's all that Keep- matters. Keep that going. I don't care who's calling the plays. I don't care who's throwing the ball. Just No, you care who's throwing the ball. Yeah, I do. What happens if Mitch just balls out these next three weeks? <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to happen, but don't you want that to happen? Like, just for fun. And what do the Bears the, do? Yeah. Imagine the offseason then. Hey, it'd be fun. We have a lot uh, to talk about. That would be the most classic Bears thing. That means they have to be the Jaguars, though, which undoes the other classic Bears thing that someone else predicted on Twitter. That's true. A lot of classic Bears things. Um, Well, we'll see what happens Sunday. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's bring in our guy from the Athletic Minnesota. Chad Graff covers the Vikings, and he's here to fill us in on uh, whatever we need to be filled in since the last time these two teams faced. It's been an interesting month, I feel like, for both of these teams. I can't figure out the Vikings and the Bears have like a completely different offense. So, What's up, Chad? Doing well. How are you guys? It really doesn't just feel like a, a weird last month. It kind of feels like a weird you know, entire season for both of these teams. How do you figure out the, the Vikings? Like, Where do you even begin? I have yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I was even thinking, um, you know, obviously we got to make our predictions and whatnot for yeah. stories posted this weekend at The Athletic. And I just have no feel for this team. I don't know, um, you know, if that they're just a weird team in that they started one and five. They played some close games. So you thought, you know, hey, th- they're not a really bad one in five team like some of these other one in five teams that you see. But at the same time, when you're one in five, you're not like realistically expecting that you're going to make the playoffs or, um, you know, make some crazy run. And then they go five and one, largely aided by an easy schedule, except in that schedule, they lost at home to the Cowboys and won on the road at Lambeau Field. So even within like their stretches where they were supposed to do well, they've played very well against good teams and have not played that well against bad teams. So uh, I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. I don't really know what to make of it. The Vikings, their defense is better. Like if you just look at the stats, I think they're 22nd in total defense, 24th in points allowed, but they're playing better of late. I think in some of the more analytical based ones like DVOA, they actually have a top 10 defense, um, you know, which you would say, of course, because it's Mike Zimmer, but on the other hand, 
good luck naming their starting cornerbacks or healthy cornerbacks or whoever is playing in the defensive line. So been a weird season and I'm not entirely sure what to make of it, to be honest. So as we get into this game, when these two teams met last month, I mean, that was about as bad as the Bears offense got. And it looked completely different when they came back from the the, the bye week uh, with a different quarterback and some of the different things that they've been putting out there. But I, I think the big story we've been talking about here in Chicago is they've also been playing bad defenses. And so I can't figure out in this game this week, and this gets to what you were just talking about, Chad, like, are the Bears facing a good defense or are they not facing a good defense? Because, and, and also in the history of this matchup recently, we've seen Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky have some success against the Vikings, but at the same time, I also think Zimmer has shown that he can confuse Mitch at times. So I'm also struggling with what is going to happen Sunday because Mitch can struggle when he sees confusing coverages or maybe they just keep this recent success going against a young, young secondary. I can't figure it out. I think the simplest way to put it is the Bears are going up against a bad defense with a good defensive coach. Like if you just take the players and put them, you know, basically with anybody else, it, it's not a good defense. Their defensive line is terrible without Daniel Hunter. Their cornerbacks are, the starters are a couple of rookies and they haven't even played that great. Um, you know, they have the safeties that people know about, but Zimmer, Mike Zimmer, when he got to Minnesota, you know, he was making so much fun of cover two defense. Can you believe this? He had one line that just went famous of, you know, if I wanted a cover two cornerback, I could go down to the seven 11 in Bloomington if I wanted, and I could find one there. And now because his cornerbacks have been so bad, he's switched to playing cover two defense. The, the very thing that he mocked when he first got here. And yet that's basically what they've had to do. Um, I think that Trubisky probably adds something that Foles didn't in that Monday night game. I went back and looked at the stats for that Monday night. It was just brutal. I think Cordero Patterson was the leading rusher with 30 yards. Foles threw, I think, for 105 or 106 yards with an interception. Um, But I think one of the things that we've seen is that quarterbacks who have some mobility fare better against Mike Zimmer defenses than ones where he can, you know, come up with a, a creative blitz, get a linebacker up the A gap pretty freely and, you know, wreak havoc that way. So I, I would be shocked if the Bears didn't play a lot better than they did in that Monday night game against the Vikings. Yeah, that was the last stand of Nick Foles. And he got hurt in the, I think, the third or last, third to last play or something like that. So, um, yeah, um, wasn't a good a good it was probably the last day of the what the, the the offense that Matt Nagy truly wanted to run too. Yeah, my so, my uh, guy uh, Afadi Odenabo like put Bears fans out of their misery there. I mean, it was at the expense of Nick Foles, but you know, it did it did uh, force the switch. The Northwestern guy came through for you. Yep. <laughs> so my my question for you, Chad, is I think I saw this on Twitter was. Mike Zimmer, complimentary of Mitch Trubisky this week, especially given – I don't know if he still has Nick Foles in mind, but did I see that correctly on Twitter? And what's he maybe expecting this week, at least in his own words, with, with Trubisky? Yeah, Zimmer is often complimentary of the opponent, but it is noteworthy that he was awfully complimentary about the way that the Bears' offense has played in the last few weeks, the way that Trubisky has played. He said that he feels like Trubisky is making more plays downfield, making more plays with his legs. Uh, doing all of the things that you would want a a quarterback to do. Um, so yeah, he was he was awfully complimentary, and you know we'll we'll see if that turns into anything. But at least for now, Mike Zimmer sees uh, a much better Chicago Bears offense. 
So you said that they're playing a lot of cover two now. And I, I'm just, are they doing it in a way where they're still, because um, like, look, Chicago's very familiar with the cover two defense. That's what Lovey Smith used to run. And they would actually be relatively vanilla where they just rely on their pass rushers because they were good and they had an amazing Hall of Fame middle linebacker that could basically play the whole field. I don't get the sense based on what you're saying or what I've seen this season that the Vikings really have that talent. So is Zimmer still doing a decent job of, of um, disguising coverages at times? I mean, what, what do you see? Because that's usually what gets Mitch in trouble. Well, yes, he's, you know, he's sensational at disguising what they're doing. But I think it's also worth noting that that defense worked a lot better for the Vikings when Eric Kendricks was healthy. He's played the last two seasons as maybe the best middle linebacker in all of football. Uh, suffered a calf injury and was a late scratch two weeks ago. Uh, it's looking like he probably will not play against the Bears, which I think makes a huge, huge difference. Um, linebacker is a position that we've learned is, you know, perhaps has some waning value or is not quite as important as we once thought as all of these teams switched to more pass heavy offenses. But it's still central to what the Vikings are doing in this defense, as you mentioned. And Eric Kendricks was doing it at such a high level that playing without him, they're already playing without Anthony Barr. They're already playing without Danil Hunter. These things have really added up for the Vikings. Now, it's still a Mike Zimmer defense. And, you know, I think I'll always give him the benefit of the doubt in creating a defense in these big games, um, which I think is why I think my concerns for the Vikings stem more around the offense against this Bears defense, even if, as you mentioned, the Bears defense hasn't been playing quite as you might think based off the last couple of years. One of the matchups uh, I'm looking at is whoever covers Justin Jefferson. I I'm just overly impressed by what, what the Vikings are getting from, from the rookie. Like the, the Vikings got to be over their heels, you know, <laughs> about this guy, right? You, you, you trade Stephon Diggs, you get this guy in the first round and he might actually be better. Um, that's probably unfair to Diggs, but the numbers are what they are. I mean, this is, this is an impressive young player, is it not? It's really insane, frankly, how lucky they got. Like, yes, they scouted Justin Jefferson. They love Justin Jefferson, but you don't often trade maybe your most explosive offensive player for a, a pick in the late teens of the first round and then have it work out where that player, Justin Jefferson, based on the numbers, is already a top five, top 10 wide receiver in the entire NFL. He's got Adam Thielen on his team, and yet teams like the Green Bay Packers are putting Yair Alexander on Justin Jefferson, their number one corner on the rookie instead of Adam Thielen. Um, that, I think, just gives an idea of how – Coaches already are respecting what Justin Jefferson can do so much. He's a guy who came out of college at LSU and a was probably a little bit overlooked at LSU because everybody saw Jamar chase as the next big thing. And, and he probably is, but they looked at Justin Jefferson as like, Oh, you know, he's a, he's a good SWAT receiver. Anybody in this crazy offense with Joe Burrow and all this talent on this LSU team, anybody's going to look good there. And then when he came in, even the Vikings at first tried to sort of pigeonhole him as a little bit of a SWAT receiver. They've already got Adam Thielen, who plays a lot in the SWAT, so it didn't make a ton of sense. And it wasn't until Kirk Cousins said, a practice at the end of week two, they're already 0-2. Gary Kubiak's like, let's just try some things out, throw some stuff against the wall, move, Gary, uh, move Justin Jefferson to the outside, and all of a sudden he lights it up from the start. That's the other crazy thing about his numbers when you look at how good he's been. He wasn't a starter the first two weeks, and the Vikings almost never play with three wide receivers on the field at the same time. So Justin Jefferson got basically no action the first two weeks, and 
you know, is already now up there in the top five in receiving yards and catches and all, all sorts of stats. So I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here. Um, our guy, Olin Krutz, uh, former Bears offensive lineman down here in Chicago, said something interesting the other day on NBC Sports Chicago. He said uh, he was talking about Trubisky and how if they were to, to hire Gary Kubiak as their next head coach, it'd be a great fit for Mitch in that type of offense, run heavy, play action. Uh, and I totally agree. And a lot of, it's a lot of the same ways that it, that it helps Kirk Cousins. But what is Kirk Cousins' long-term situation in Minnesota? Because – I am of the thinking of why would Mitch want to come back here? Does Minnesota make sense for him instead of Gary Kubiak coming to Chicago? Kirk Cousins, like it or not for Minnesota fans, and uh, I think that there's a lot on both sides, he's going to be the quarterback of the Vikings for a couple more years, um, especially when they started 1-5. and five. Kirk Cousins was really bad at the beginning, and I think it was especially maddening at that point not only had the Vikings spent all of this money on Kirk Cousins, given him the first fully guaranteed deal, done everything that they had, then renegotiated his deal so that he wouldn't have to play in the last year of his contract, extended him even though he had one playoff win in his two years after inheriting a team that went to the NFC Championship. Not only had they done all that, they'd also, as you mentioned with Gary Kubiak, switched to everything that Kirk Cousins does well. And I think that's to Gary Kubiak's credit that he said, you know, we've got a guy who's very good on play action, so we'll use play action a lot. We've got a guy who maybe is not as good in the shotgun with four wides, so let's take some of the burden off of him um, and give it to our star running back a lot. So they've done everything to essentially bring the best out of Kirk Cousins. And while it started off very shaky and he led the league in interceptions for a reason, he has actually been very, very good since then. Um, you know, there's sort of the debate that you can forever have about whether Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback. He's probably somewhere on that fringe between nine and 12, depending on, you know, how others are doing. But uh, I, I do think that you can win with Kirk Cousins. And for better or worse, the Vikings are probably going to have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback for at least another two years. How is this game being viewed up up there? We're here in Chicago. We have this this minor quarterback controversy, I, I guess. But, like, this is essentially a playoff game for, for both of them. Um, you lose, and, and I don't think you're making up that ground. If you win, heck, you may catch the Cardinals this week. You, you never know what's going to happen. Um, is that what the Vikings feel? Is that what you feel? And then how do you feel about the outcome of this one? I mean, it's, it's incredibly important, especially the Vikings owned a wild card spot after their one in five start, as recently as last week, the Cardinals were free falling. The Vikings were five and one. Uh, everything was, you know, looking pretty good for them. And if they had won in Tampa Bay, it, it would have been amazing, you know, how great it looked. They would have been six and one in their last seven uh, with the Bears and Lions ahead, two games that they would be favored in, both at home. You win those two, you're in the playoffs. Instead, they go to Tampa Bay. Uh, play extremely well in the first half, frankly, outplayed the Bucks in a lot of that game, but were unraveled because of two reasons. One, um, and this is perhaps an area where both fan bases can, um, you know, have a little bit of solace with each other. The kicking game was just brutal. Dan Bailey has now missed seven straight kicks. Uh, the Vikings don't really have a lot of other options because if you sign somebody in free agency this year because of the COVID protocols, they have to test negative for five straight days and then on the sixth day as well before they're even allowed in the facility. So they can't even bring anybody in to, um, you know, kick and practice 
before the next game. So that they, they just don't have any options. Dan Bailey's their kicker. So they really squandered an opportunity against Tampa Bay. And now it looks like 3-0 and will probably get the Vikings into the playoffs if they close 3-0. and 2-1 and may get it done, maybe not. And let's not forget, it's not just the Bears that, you know, the Vikings are going to have their hands full against this week. They got to go to New Orleans to play the Saints in a nationally televised Christmas uh, afternoon game. So it, it's a tough road ahead for the Vikings, and you know, they got a big uphill climb that they're going to have to face to get into the playoffs. And your pick? I've taken the Bears. I, I just have no faith in the Vikings right now. I don't have any sense of how this offense is going to Delvin cook plays well against everybody. Uh, when you look at his stats against opponents, he averages more than four yards against everybody. The only team that has played him more than once and kept him uh, to fewer than four yards per carry is the Chicago bears. Akeem Hicks just dominates the Vikings poor interior offensive line. Uh, they get a pass rush on Kirk cousins. And he talked a lot about sack rate this week and he, uh, is not great at avoiding sacks. So there are a lot of reasons why I just don't trust this Vikings offense against the Bears defense. Um, as for the score, I didn't really know what to pick. I wanted to pick 24-20 Bears, but I couldn't decide if that meant either a missed extra point from Dan Bailey to get them to 20 <laughs> or if he made two extra points or and then somehow hit a field goal. Uh, so I'm just going to go 24-21 and pretend that Dan Bailey makes all three of his kicks and Mike Zimmer never even once glances his way to you know risk trotting him onto the field for a field goal attempt. I mean, those kicks weren't even close last week. <laughs> no, they, they were really bad. At least Cody Parkey used to hit the post for the Bears. I mean, he posted a couple times. <laughs> you could give him credit for that. I mean, hitting the post four times in one game is actually impressive. But... Bailey last week it was just like is there a is there a 70 mile an hour wind in here we don't know about because the ball's just going straight right Zimmer put him out there and I still can't believe he did this for a 54 yard attempt yeah. Bailey even at his best you know has been an accurate kicker not a big leg kicker put him out there for a 54 yard attempt as everybody can see you know he just mentally is is not right and then he misses the kick by maybe 50 yards it I don't even know if it stayed in bounds that one, I think that was the one I was thinking of. Robbie Gold once had a kick. I, f I think that, I want to say the Bears were playing the 49ers, but it was like the windiest game we've ever covered, and the ball just went straight right. But it was because of the wind. I mean, in this case, it was just I don't know what I don't know what Bailey was aiming at, but it was not the goalpost. And now he's going to be back out there as the Vikings kicker. They don't have any other options. They just signed him to a three-year extension. Wow. And now uh, this franchise that, you know, seems to be perpetually cursed by kickers has to enter a huge game against the Bears with a kicker that nobody in the state of Minnesota trusts. And that's why the Bears need to lock up Cairo Santos because <laughs> he has not missed a kick. Was it week two, I think? He hasn't missed a kick. So. 18 in a row, right? Hopefully... When you finally find them, you lock them up, I guess. Ah, uh, Chad, thanks so much. Appreciate the insight today, and uh, we'll see what happens Sunday. Thanks for having me, guys. See you, Chad. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. 
LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It is time for our three big questions in what is essentially an elimination game for the Bears and Vikings. Playoffs. I don't like to call this a playoff game. This is not a playoff game. So what would you call it? This is an elimination game. It is a cross-off game. Oh, I like that. Cross-off game. Yeah. I'd go with that. I'm kind of stealing that from the Bill Simmons podcast. Because they cross a team off every week during the season. Yeah. And sometimes two teams that they're debating crossing off play each other, and they would call that a cross-off game. So that's what we have. Okay. Cross-off game. All right. Question number one for you, Adam. How will Trubisky's words – we went through them in the beginning of the show. How will Trubisky's words translate to the field this week against a better – well, defense, but a better defensive coach in Mike Zimmer. So just to be clear, because we heard a lot of words, which words specifically are you talking about here? Well, like everything that he wants to do. Because I, I feel like it's it's what he's saying about the you know moving the pocket, play action, rolling out, you know, getting Cole Komet, getting David Montgomery, having those guys be involved in the passing game. But but I also feel like it's just the there's a new energy to the guy, right? Like there, there's I hate the word swagger is overused, but there's definitely a new vibe to Mitch Trubisky since his benching. Is there not? Who wants to get sacked? Not me. I I agree. I agree. I think you know we, we sense that uh, there was there was a what like the first time he talked after the Nick Foles trade over the summer. Remember how he said he was pissed off. Mm-hmm. I believed it then, but I don't know how much that translated to the field. Like once the season started, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I think it was enough motivation to make sure he won the 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 quarterback contest. Um, but remember, Foles didn't look that great. No. And, but yes, I agree that there is something different with him now. I think it's a. It's almost a desperation, and sometimes that's used as like a negative word, but I think it's just sort of a... Remember, he he went and got a second opinion on that shoulder. He didn't have to keep playing this year. Like, that was an option to be like, I'm protecting my future. This isn't the offense for me. I'm done. Like, that could have been something that happened. And he came back, and yeah, you're right. The way he's talking right now and just being like, yeah, I don't know why they didn't use my ideas sooner. <laughs> Uh, so I guess to your question here is another way to saying it like uh, is he going to continue to back it up on Correct. the field? Yes. And uh, man, it goes back to what we were just talking to Chad about. Like I think so within like what's in his control. I'm just a little worried cuz I I like Mike Zimmer. I think he's a good defensive coach and I think that there 
the resistance. There's going to be more resistance this week. Um, but yeah, you know what? I'm I'm back on board. I'm on the Trubisky train. Oh, yeah, driving it. Okay, I think he plays well. I do. I, I don't. He's not going to put up the same numbers that he had against the Texans. The Texans are still the Texans, but I think you're going to see a lot of the same things. I almost wonder, like we were talking with Chad about them being in cover two, playing a little bit more zone, um, and all of the movement that comes about. Like we saw Trubisky look down the field and then dump it off, right? Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if some of those down the field throws now open up. Get what I'm saying? I get cover two is designed to prevent some of that, but there's some windows that develop through that zone coverage. So maybe some chunk plays, maybe some more shots. But the yak they got against the Texans, I think that's a big thing they want to keep going. So another good day. I'm not putting any numbers on it, but I think Trubisky has another good day. No, don't care. Uh, You should care. Mitch, number two, what would you set the over and under on sacks from the Bears' defense this week being against – Kirk Cousins. Mm. We heard Chad talk about sack rate. Yeah. No, Kirk Cousins isn't exactly the most elusive of QBs. Two and a half. I because I think they get to him at least twice. Okay. I, that's where I'm kind of debating. Can they go to three? So that's where I would set it. Two and a half. So Kirk Cousins has been sacked 31 times. This year, that is a number that's the eighth most in the NFL. Um, obviously, the Bears had a big day against the Texans. Seven sacks, six on Deshaun Watson. I don't think you're getting the same day. So, what'd you say, two and a half? Yeah. I say they go over with three. I'll say three. Which I was pretty close. I didn't even know that that was 31 sacks. So, that comes out to 2.38 per game. So, I, I should be in Vegas setting these lines, be, I guess. You should be a math major. I'm gonna say over two. I liked what I saw from the from the defense last week. Okay. Uh, I, I and and granted, it's the tech again. It's the tech. But you know what? And Chad said the interior of that Vikings line can be susceptible. And Akeem Hicks still does a cu- couple things every game where I'm like, how does that big man do that? Yeah. That yeah. is ridiculous. He had a really good game going. Like he he was very noticeable early against the Texans. I think Nichols. Maybe stole some of the spotlight, and then Khalil Mack was Khalil Mack. But, and he was noticeable. Again, he's looking healthy after being banged up a little bit. Yeah. B- big picture question here for your number three. Do the Lions, Texans, Falcons, and Jaguars really have an edge in the GM searches going on around the league right now? Yes. Well, okay. Yes, they absolutely do. They're, they're literally interviewing candidates. So they're ahead of the game. You're um, off. The reason I put this one in there because we were texting. Was it last night? You're a little fired up about the Lewis Riddick conversation here. The Lions and the Texans have both interviewed him. Well, it's just it's it's put the Bears in a bad spot. In that, if they do move now, if they end up keeping Ryan Pace, so they're gonna have to deal with that criticism. But then this is a, a moot point. But if they wait to the end of the season and they do make that change and Lewis Reddick's off the table and Thomas Dimitrov's interviewing now with the Lions and you could say... Is it Scott Pioli's interviewing somewhere with is it the Lions is too? Yeah. Did I see that report? Now, Pioli's been unemployed for a while, but 
uh, I shouldn't say unemployed. I think he's doing something for ESPN or something. But the the point is this: if you if you like if Lewis Riddick takes a job tomorrow, and he's not even available because you decide to wait to the end of the season, like don't you think this decision should already be made? Well, the Bears don't like to make in-season decisions. I th- I, we, we've had this conversation, and I advocated for it a couple weeks ago because of how bad it got. I, maybe not that I, I, I thought it should happen, but I thought it should be on the table if you were really going down that road. And I don't think well, the this Bears is why. Are there. Yeah, I don't. This think is the, why yeah, it should yeah, be on yeah, the table. Right. I don't think the Bears are there yet. I don't think they ever want it to be there. That's that's probably the problem. Um, but you're right. The you can gather information on your team, but you got to do it discreetly, like right now, right? Now they're doing it like the Lions and the Texans have taken more of a, an official way of doing this right now. Hearing the Scott Pioli's out, hearing a Lewis Riddick out in, in a more less broadcasty sense now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, I, I do know where you're coming from on this, but at the same time, you know, there's a strong indication here that I I could really see Ryan Pace returning. Wow, one win and everybody's back. No, no, no. <laughs> it's just you, you, you add it all up and, and, you know, you think about the Bears being the Bears. and But they it. still couldn't extend him. They offered to extend him when they hired Matt Nagy, but they can't extend him. What do you mean? They can't extend him after this season? No. But yeah. No, you give him a prove-it year and, you know, it's easier to eat – one year of Nagy's contract as opposed to one year of Pace and two years of Nagy. But you want Nagy to stay, right. at least for the next GM. We're getting way off on a tangent here. Well, but. but here's the thing. If Nagy does stay, Lewis Riddick's a good fit. Yeah, well, that's, you know, Lewis Riddick, current president of the Detroit Lions you're talking about now. Wow. I'm not. Well, hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We should probably make our picks on this game then. Bold predictions. Here's a bold prediction. I thought I went bold last week with Eddie Jackson getting an interception. This is going to be my boldest prediction yet. Robert Quinn not only accounts for one sack, but a sack and a half. I said three. He gets the quarterback in one by himself, and then he shares one with... Nichols will say someone Mario so Edwards. one and a half yeah one and a half no okay it's gonna happen it's gonna happen uh Cole Komet scores two touchdowns Ooh. I like it I like where the Cole Komet momentum is going it's usually going forward on violently the going forward yes uh, I think they're getting him more involved. I think, I think Mitch is like that's that should be. It's we spent so much time talking about that tight end position. I remember you writing and talking about it last season. Yeah, and about how it was hurting Mitch that he didn't have that safety valve, um, and how the tight end can be your first or second read, and how much easier that can make things. Well. I think at times this season, Jimmy Graham has been that first or second read. I think Cole Komet is starting to become that a little bit. And so I uh, I think Cole Komet's going to score two touchdowns in this game. 
I like it. Which means the Bears have to score at least 12 points. Yeah, good math. I, <laughs> I do think, before you hit that button, I see you reaching for it. I do think Trubisky, like to your point, does search for him when, when things start going awry. And I think he will continue to do that. So, I like it. Predictions. Predictions. So, how about this uh, for timing? I got a long-time listener reaching out to me. Um, and he goes, so I'm going to need you and Hogue to pick against the Bears this weekend, okay? <laughs> Why? So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there is a big movement to, to pick the Bears. And we all know ah. how Bears fans hate it when everybody picks the Bears in the media. So um, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm going to disappoint him here, though. So sorry, my friend. Maybe Hogue will oblige. But I'm going to go Bears 27-23. Mitch Trubisky has a good day. I don't know if it's as good as against – it won't be as good as he was against the Texans, but the numbers look decent. David Montgomery moves the ball. Defense plays well against Kirk Cousins. The Bears are now a 7-7 seven and seven football team. 27-23 Bears. Okay. I – I'm also picking the Bears. Sorry. Sorry, friend. Uh, I think... I mean, I'm sure there's a lot... The Vikings are favored by three. Which I'm a little... I don't. I guess I'm a little surprised about just based on what we've seen. Although, you know, Chad did bring up a good point earlier that they played the Bucks tough for a half. Um, I'm going to say Bears 24. Vikings 20. Somewhere in there sounds about right. Yeah, I was watching the the. I don't know why I put myself through it, but I was watching that Bears Vikings game from last month. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. Remember, the Bears' only touchdown came from is Eddie Jackson, Cordero Patterson, Cordero Patterson <laughs> returning the when opening kickoff. Did Eddie kickoff. Jackson have his like fumble recovery? That happened that season, right? This season that right? was the um, the came, Rams game. That came the, during the losing streak yeah. at the end of the Rams game. <laughs> Yeah. In garbage time, basically. Yes. I think it was 23-3 to three at that point or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was catching up on some things. And another thing that just to open up some old wounds, do you remember the drive the Saints had right before halftime? Because the Bears were winning that game. They actually played a pretty good first half. And there was a third and – do I still have it in front of me? Am I here? A third and like 18. Yeah. I know what you're talking I wrote, about. I wrote it down with a star. Huge play in season is what my notes say. It was uh, it was, it was was third and 13. And Drew Brees hit Alvin Kamara for 12. Yeah. Like the Bears got back in that soft defense, don't give up a home run, keep everything in front of you. But they gave up 12 of the 13 yards, which made the decision to go for it really, really easy because the Saints were at midfield. And then what you had on that drive, remember, was that awful pass interference call on Kyle Fuller where he didn't even touch the guy. And then you had the back-to-back throws to Jared Cook where both Kyle Fuller uh, and Jalen Johnson just didn't cover him. He dropped the first one, caught the second one for a touchdown. That drive right there, because it was 13-3 to 
and the Bears were about to get the ball back if they could just stop them on third and 13. And instead, it was 13 to 10 at halftime. That just, looking back on it, that just seems like such a big moment in the season. Because that game went to overtime as it was. The Bears could have beaten the Saints, which you could argue are the favorites to come out of the NFC right now. I remember a couple dropped interceptions as well. Yes, uh, your guy Andy Jackson had. That's one. that was a game I first started going after the defense a little bit, after Chuck Pagano a little bit, at least in my writing. Well, that drive, that drive was kind yeah. of the start of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought you saw worse defensive performance after that, but right. Man, maybe this is the game the defense actually goes out and, and looks like it's – we're not saying 2018 form, but gets the multiple takeaways, looks dominant. We, they've had some really good games against the Vikings, really good games. That's where – so that's where I'm, I'm kind of – I'm going to keep it 24-20, but I, I mean, I don't know. I could see the Bears winning even 27-17. If they finally, if they keep this offensive momentum going, I like where the, I liked, I like what defense did last week. The pass rush was back. Roquan Smith's playing outstanding football right now. They should be a good defense. They have, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous the talent they have that they have any problems like that. But I don't know. So maybe, maybe it is some coaching. I'm not sure. All right, let's get to some picks, shall we? Culture, history, spaghetti. These are the things of a boot country called Italia. Hello, I'm Joe Romano of Romano Tours. For two generations, my family has provided high-quality tours of Italy to people from all over the world, but mostly Long Island and Jersey. I wanted to give a shout-out to our guy, Joe Romano, because he sent us a nice text after episode 400. He did. The other day. And, uh... This was this is where he shined the pick segment. So we'll have Joe on soon, but we love you, Joe. <laughs> he would have a tough year if we're doing college picks, though. His team doesn't play. Oh yeah, his team. No, Ohio State's having some issues apparently. Yeah, we'll get to that, that soon. That make it interesting. All right, so Saturday, uh, you know the NFL. Said to the NCAA, uh, we don't really care if it's your championship weekend. We don't care that COVID screwed things up. We're just going to go ahead and schedule a doubleheader. And um, so, in your face, Clemson, Notre Dame. And I think the SEC championships in primetime. Sorry, you got to compete with the NFL now. Uh, so, they'll be competing with this game in primetime. 7-15 on the NFL Network. Saturday, it's the Panthers at the Packers. Ah, Packers co- are College might win. College might win. Uh, maybe because the game's on the NFL Network. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I'm going to take the Packers in a route in this one. Just seems fitting. Are the, the Packers pack. eight, and a, eight and a half point favorites every week? Yeah, yeah. It seems yeah, like it. Yeah. Um, when I was typing that in, I'm like, gosh, what's that like covering a team that's just favored by? By, like uh, by at least months. a touchdown every yeah. yes. Well, they're going to cover that. So um, the the Panthers have a lot of work to do. I think we've all learned that as this season has played out more. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, I do think, is a good quarterback, but that team needs help. Aaron Rodgers is rolling, everybody. MVP candidate. State his case again. I like him for MVP right now. Do you ever listen to his interviews on the Pat McAfee show? Yeah, they're good. He, I was listening to his this week. He is just so damn confident right now. 
like in an almost cocky, arrogant way. <laughs> well, Tara but Rogers, he's, so, okay. he's so funny. Yeah. He's yeah. hilarious in yeah. those interviews. Oh, I wish you could get more athletes to just, just have an F you attitude on these. The, 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 he does not, he, he just, he talks like a, like a quarterback should if they're just talking to their friends. It's great. But like a damn good quarterback. <laughs> well, right. You got to back it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like one who knows he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Well, he is. Um, all right. I'm taking the Packers too. Sure. The good thing is after three straight, usually kickers like to go right from the net to the field. He's been standing out here for a good five minutes. So. There's another one. There's another good uh, observation. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad Hogue's not here today. Yeah, We're he getting all this, this good stuff from Jeff. We didn't know any of this stuff. He's having tea and crumpets. <laughs> That's a classic one. That's always a good one. You know, it took six years, Johns, but I finally had like the perfect sideline report on Saturday. I, 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 my, it was the luckiest thing in the world, but I, I was, it was right out of halftime and I was talking about how the message at halftime was to impose their will up front on the O-line and if they scored a touchdown here, they would put basically Illinois would quit at that point in the game, and literally out of the report, it's like the perfectly blocked third and five run that went for a touchdown. And it was like ah, it only took six years, but I finally got one. <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna beat the T and Crumpets line, but I'm glad you feel good about no, no. yourself. Obviously, they're you know they're very happy when I'm not there, as they as they should be. Um, all right, Buccaneers at Falcons, noon on Fox. Falcons are at home and six-point underdogs. So this is only on there because the playoff conversations that we could still have. The Buccaneers are obviously ahead of the Bears and the Vikings in this case, and I think they're going to stay there. Um, I like the Buccaneers winning by more than a touchdown in this one. The Falcons are just the Falcons. They get a GM search and a head coach search to get busy on. Yeah, I think the Buccaneers got a lot of things right. Started a little slow after um, coming out of the bye against the Vikings, but they obviously figured it out from there. So, pretty disappointing effort. Both these, the last two, I liked the Falcons last week against the Chargers. I liked the Panthers last week against the Broncos, and they both laid duds. Nice reminder that neither team's that good. So, uh, it's late December, mid-December. Time to turn it on. I think Tom Brady and the Bucks get it done. You know, I think Adams had a good season. Uh, noon on CBS, the Lions are in Tennessee. Lions played the Packers tough-ish last week, kind of. Good enough. Um, Titans are out here, 10.5-point favorites. Yeah, I don't know what the latest is on Matthew Stafford. Does it even matter much anymore? I, I don't know. Um, ten and a half's a lot. Yeah, because our guy Chase Daniel might be playing in this game. Ten and a half's a Gotta lot. Love <laughs> Gotta love preseason football. <laughs> this is the regular season, Chase. Yeah, it's you, time you to better, shine. You better be ready for it. That's the facts. That's that's one hundred percent truth. Wow, I didn't know you had that much Chase Daniel on your soundboard. You yeah, more? just two. Yeah, no, no, that's it. Just two. Okay. Um, I'm gonna take the Titans in this one. Uh, okay. Just be, just because they're playing the Lions and yeah, they're too busy interviewing people. I they, don't know. They they, they, they love Daryl Bevel. They're coming back on the Bears. I told you last week the Lions 
always play the Packers tough. And then I pick the Packers in my... I pick the Lions on this podcast, and then I pick the Packers in like my picks league. So that shows you how smart I am. And who covered? The Lions did. Uh, I'm going to take the Titans here. <laughs> All that? Okay. Sure. Well, because Chase Daniel probably playing quarterback. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I don't know. All right. Um, what's next? Chris, I'm... Random. Noon Fox Seahawks at Washington. Washington's five and a half point underdogs here. They've been playing well. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Washington. Just they're, they, they got a lot of momentum right now. Wait, are you saying they're going to win the game outright? Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. Yes, I am. Um, good defense. Seahawks might be a tad bit overrated. Their defense is not good. Uh, I like Russell Wilson a lot, but yeah, I'm just feeling Washington in this one. Gut pick. They got a lot of momentum. They got their young stars bringing their their mothers onto Zoom calls over their phones. Um, give me the Washington football team in this one, winning outright. That's big. That is a bold prediction. Um, I'm gonna take Washington to cover. I like what they've been doing lately. Well coached, getting better. Chase Young's been great, but. I'll take Seahawks to win the game. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. Fox 305. This is a game Bears fans should be paying attention to. Eagles at Cardinals. Can Jalen Hurts, the guy that should be a Bear, <laughs> save the Bears season or something like that? You know, this is interesting because the Eagles have been such a mess, but Jalen Hurts goes out there last week, and all of a sudden they get a big victory against the Saints. So Cardinals are still six-point favorites, though, so it shows you that uh, Vegas thinks that was basically a fluke. I agree with Vegas. Um, The Eagles will cover. I think there's still some extra juice left in in Jalen Hurts, at least his, his first start there to carry over into this one. But the Cardinals have a lot to play for. A lot to play for. They, they should know that. And Kyler Murray is a lot better than what the Saints had at quarterback last week. So, Cardinals win, but they don't cover. I'm going to take the Cardinals, and I'm going to take the Cardinals to cover. Okay. Too. Yeah, I'm going to say that last week was a fluke as well. Um, for the Bears' sake, it would be great if we're both wrong, but – I, uh, I I think the Cardinals take this one at home. There's just so many been so many issues on the Eagles. Like great win last week, but I find it hard to believe that they're just gonna keep it going. Um, if they do though, and the Bears beat the Vikings, all of a sudden the conversation changes pretty quickly next week. Talking about extensions, Johns is gonna extend Ryan Pace for five years. <laughs> yeah, so why not? Ready, so be ready for that. It's coming. The Chicago Bears select. Mitchell Trubisky. Wow. No, that was a moment. Uh, CBS 325, Chiefs at Saints. This is another one the Bears should probably be rooting for the Chiefs. Saints are three-point underdogs at home. Probably still Taysom Hill. Yeah. Yeah, Drew Brees is still... He's been cleared to come back. Like he's that well, he got, he got activated off IR, but that doesn't mean he's going to... No, no, he's that three-week... Windows started, right? He's been uh, the pre- – let me rephrase. His 
practice window has been activated. Designated has, to return. He has not been taken off of IR yet. Chiefs. I'm going to say Chiefs in a route, actually. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I know there's a lot of good things about that Saints defense, but as we saw last week with the Chiefs, just because you play them well for a little bit doesn't mean, like, you, you got them. They're just too explosive. They got so many weapons. This, team, this strikes me as a game that seems close, but then the Chiefs all of a sudden win by, like, 10 or 14 points. Yeah, they're so explosive. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it, Patrick Mahomes threw two interceptions last week, and then they were still up 30 to 10. Yeah. I was like, what? That's what I mean. I guess a good Dolphins team. Yes. Um, good defense. I will also take the Chiefs here, take them to cover. Uh, the Taysom Hill thing is like, I don't know. I guess I'm just never going to be on board. It's fun, but teams are adjusting, and I think the Saints are are little. I don't. I don't like how Alvin Kamara has just like sort of disappeared since Drew Brees has been out. Like that's concerning to me. And I know Michael Thomas is still banged up a little bit. So I also take the Chiefs. The reason why it matters a little bit to the Bears is if the Saints lose and the Packers keep winning, there's a decent chance the Packers could be sitting Aaron Rodgers in Week 17. That's what the Bears want if they win these next two. Or Aaron Rodgers says, screw that. I like beating the Bears, which he says a lot. And he comes out and he beats the Bears now, anyway. That is a very realistic prediction because as we learn in the Bears history, like if you get a chance to put the nail in the coffin of your rival, you should do it. But the Bears played their starters in that game. Which one? And you're talking about 2010 when the Packers beat them in week 17. They did, actually. You're right. They, But they, they, like, they yeah. did and they didn't. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Because they sort of, it seemed like they slept walked through the game. I don't know that all the... They were probably hiding some things for the playoffs. Well, they should have had the killer mentality because the Packers won the Super Bowl. Yes, they did. Um, not saying the Bears are winning the Super Bowl this year, but that's I could see Aaron Rodgers making the case. At least let him let me play the first half and you know put up twenty eight and I'll sit. Maybe. Um, all right, it's been a while since I've played this, and I'm uh, I, I'm surprised to know where the button is. <laughs> Let the record show that John's put that in, put this game in here this week. These are two of my favorite college teams. You know that. Well, since when are you on the Northwestern bandwagon? I've been on Northwestern's bandwagon for a while now. I like Pat two Fitzgerald. Weeks? I like Pat the fighting Reese Davis has got yeah. you on board. Yeah, but I was on it before that. You jumped on the bandwagon after they beat Wisconsin. Just admit it. No, 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 no. I've always been Saturday, a fan of Saturday on Fox, 11 a.m., Lucas Oil Stadium, Northwestern Ohio State, Big Ten Championship game. I'll be there. It's going to be weird being in there. Empty stadium, 11 a.m. game. This is usually the night game, but yeah. Fox moved it because of the football um, with the NFL. I'm assuming that's why, but... Ohio State, 20-and-a-half-point favorites. Do you remember you when we were in New York City and we watched Northwestern and Ohio State at that Wisconsin bar? Remember that? 
Were you um, there with us? I, no, because I was at the Northwestern right. Ohio State game. <laughs> that's right. But <laughs> if, if that's I was right. not there, You're the I would have been for Northwestern. I, how could I yeah. ever forget? <laughs> I do remember hearing, though, about how you watched Kettle that of game Fish, I think, was with, the, the bar. It's a little hole in the, the wall. With the fish man. With the fish man, with Patrick Finley from the Sun Times. Um, I'm looking forward to watching this game. Northwestern played them really tight that game, and then, you know, Ohio State's talent looked like Ohio State's talent. But, like, my prediction for this game is Northwestern, they're not going to win, but they're going to play it close, actually, for the duration of this game. So, give me Northwestern to cover. I love their defense. Yeah, no, the, the defense is legit. Um, and they're going to have their hands full with Justin Fields. But, I, I sort of have the same logic you do in that... You looked at that game a couple of years ago, and it was close. I mean, in the fourth quarter, it was a one-score game. Northwestern recovered a fumble, and I think it was Travis Willock, who's sitting out this year, picked it up, and it looked like he may have been able to return it for a touchdown. But I'm forgetting who it was. Somebody on Ohio State's offense. Might have been Terry McLaurin. I forget. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Just barely clipped his shoe and got him down and you know I, I've always thought about that play if if he returns it who knows what happens but Ohio State pulled away they had more talent I don't think this Ohio State team is that talented as they were a couple years ago I think the fact that they've had these COVID interruptions and not been able to play a full season has affected them a little bit and oh by the way there's been a couple reports today that they could be without some star players because of COVID, that their COVID issues are not over. So that is something to monitor, too. I'm almost surprised the spread hasn't moved at all. It's still 20 and a half. I think Northwestern's at least just as good as they were two years ago, maybe even slightly better. I think Peyton, they're better. Yeah, Peyton Ramsey has a lot of experience. Um, I'm a little concerned about how many points they can score realistically. But I do think that the defense will hold Ohio State down. I will be surprised if they lose by 21 or more points. I think it's more likely to play out uh, similar to two years ago, but where it's actually, you know, more like the last five minutes, potentially still a game. I would love to see Northwestern have this be a one-score game with the ball in Ramsey's hands, like in the final two or three minutes. Going for that touchdown, like a, like a, mm-hmm. a four point deficit. Just, I think this is going to be an exciting football game. I really do. I hope so. I'm excited to be down there. And, um, you know, the interesting thing is, if Northwestern somehow wins, they're not going to get in the college football playoff. But the resume would, as the Big Ten champion, would actually be. It. Let me put it this way: it would cause the selection committee a lot of headaches, and it would expose some more of the hypocrisy which has already been out there this week. The rankings this week are ridiculous. I mean, Florida loses to an unranked team and fell one spot. It's a whole different conversation, but it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. And they need to expand the playoff, and wow. it's just bad. Anyway, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it, heading down to Indy tomorrow. All right, good stuff. Great episode. We'll be back Sunday. Bears, Vikings. Cross-off game. The cross-off game. Cross-off. We'll be there for the cross-off post-game show. Hope you'll be there with us. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. 
read us theathletic.com slash hoganjohns nbcsportschicago.com please rate and review, review the podcast we appreciate you doing that we'll talk to you Sunday see ya y'all stay corona free alright and God bless <laughs>